This is Healing Justice, a podcast at the intersection of collective healing and social change. I'm your host, Kate Werning, and you are a champion for joining us on the third part of our season one reflection series. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you enjoyed episodes one and two of our reflection. If you didn't catch them, it's okay. You're still going to get this one. Uh, But we really enjoyed talking two episodes ago with Jacoby Ballard about reflecting on the importance of using our voices and building powerful healing justice community. We heard from Justin Campbell in the episode before this one about the importance of practice and how you can use some of the practices in this audio library. And today we are doing a final, final, final recap. Uh, the, the final of the final finales. <laughs> um, and we'll be hearing from Marsha Lee and from Zach Meyer. And at the end, there's a really special treat. We'll get to hear the voices of so many people who have contributed to this season in their own words, in their own voices, which is just so fun to sort of hear and visibilize as in like audio lies, all the different voices who who have been part of this project so far. So we're starting out by talking to Marsha Lee. And Marsha is part of Healing by Choice, who many of you probably heard on episode 18 of this podcast. I talked to her about what is the need for healing justice in this moment, what our world needs right now, and how we can best show up in dialogue with that as a project. So here's Marsha and I chatting a couple weeks ago in Detroit. Hi, Marsha. Hi, Kate. Can you tell people where we are? Uh, We are currently at Taproot Sanctuary in Detroit. It's an intentional community of mostly people of color trying to live in right relationship with the earth and with our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And we're here on the second floor and we can kind of hear the ducks. I don't know if y'all can hear the birds outside. Um, But thank you for welcoming me to stay in your home again. Thanks. So excited to talk with you because one of kind of the biggest learning experiences of this season was around chatting with y'all with Healing by Choice. Um, And I'm just wondering if you want to share anything with folks, like any reflection or learning from that experience, anything you want to say? You can't see me now, but I'm making a duck face. We can do tilt your head to the left (laughs) and you look quizzically at the person across from you. It's good for thinking. Uh Uh-huh. I think one of the things with, there's a number of things I learned from that. One of them was just the importance of being in deep relationship with other people. I think that our collective and the community here in Detroit is one in which we really are willing and able to kind of hold each other for who they are and really to engage with each other. um, as just humans, I guess. And so it's, Deep relationship is something that's really important, and um, it was really fun to mm-hmm. do that episode with the three of them and to do it specifically with people I've been in relationship with, but also as a group of people of color. Healing by Choice is a um, healing collective of women of color, and being able to work together and learn from each other and to really offer service from that place of our own cultures and also of what we've lived through and being in the United States, I think, um, and then getting to show it and share it with all of you um, was just a really big delight. And I think the other thing too is there were things that folks said that I knew that they were awesome and really incredible people, but I didn't have an opportunity before to really hear some of the wisdom and, and where and how they came into this work. And so getting to do that together was a great opportunity to learn from each other. Mm. Yeah, that kind of like witnessing people you know, but when they're sort of like presenting their story, it can be super beautiful. And um, I just, well, first of all, like I loved getting to listen to that episode and all of the all of the laughing that you all had too, where you could just like feel that rapport and that love and that like, let's hold huge things together and, and, and laugh. I think what you just said there is actually really, really important in our healing justice work. 
that it's important for us to be able to hold large things and be able to laugh together is really important, right? Because otherwise we would just cry all the time because mm. there's some really, really hard stuff happening in our world, in our own lives, in our community. And that if we, we also need to have that capacity to play and for pleasure and for joy and to mm. uh, engage in the wholeness of life and just the incredible beauty that's in each person that we meet and also the incredible beauty of what's around us. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's actually like an essential part of survival mm. and like thrival for us, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like when we have meetings or when we invite people in to, if we're doing a practice space or whatever, we'll always have some sort of like bubbles or toys or something, you know, to remind people of that uh, great capacity we have for joy, even in the midst of deep sorrow. Mm. Mm -hmm. And as you think about that on the larger scale, like uh, you're someone who I really respect along with other folks in your collective of like really paying attention to what people need right now. Um, and for me, it's been a huge journey with this podcast, just like getting messages from people that I would have never met. Uh, around the country, but also also around the world, um, just talking about like the need for humanizing our work, the need for bringing healing, bringing grounding, bringing um, like deep reconciliation, spiritual and emotional, in addition to the material conditions we're trying to shift. Right, like um, thinking about sort of that pulse of what folks need right now at scale like what are the things that come up for you what are you seeing <laughs> duck face <laughs> maybe have to put a put a picture of one of the ducks on <laughs> the credits or something so you can see it well grace lee boggs was a mentor of mine and she would talk about how we've gone through these different uh time periods, the agricultural time period, the hunting and gathering, the, the period of like mechanization. And now in this period, we're moving into this next period of both technology, but also kind of the, the falling apart of this idea that if the more that we create of new things, mm -hmm. the better off we'll be. Mm -hmm. And also that the world can hold that. And so in this particular period, it feels to me like we're in this expansion contracting that's happening in a large scale and like day-to-day -day life thing. Um, Grace would also ask us this question often or when people would come to visit her, what time is it on the clock of the world? Because she said it was really important that we know what time it is so that we know how to respond to it, right? Mm -hmm. If we don't know what's around us, if there's a fire burning around us and we don't acknowledge that there's fire there, then there's no way in which we can make a different choice. And so when I look at the time on the clock of the world right now, what, what I feel in my very short lifespan, right, mm -hmm. is that there's this expanding contracting that's happening um, because we have access to so much news and so much of what's happening across the world, and mm -hmm. yet the people, and this is mostly in the United States, I don't know about the rest of the world, but it seems that in the United States, people are mostly hanging out with the people who are like them. Mm -hmm. And so our worlds are getting smaller, or you know, Facebook is choosing for us what we're looking at. Right? Mm -hmm. So our worlds are getting smaller and larger at the same time, and the earth itself is feeling this change happening because of decades and decades of us trying to create new things when in fact, um, either there's not a need for those things or those, the creation of those new things is destabilizing other things. Mm -hmm. And so I think the need for healing justice, I don't know if it's new in this time, honestly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right? This is the, the, in this lifetime, this is what I'm experiencing, so I don't know if it's new. But I think in this time of expansion and contraction, in this time of... Um, or Grace would call it that she would talk about revolution as the re-evolution of ourselves and of our world. And so that's what a revolution needs to be, is the evolution of ourselves. I guess I think of healing justice as looking at all aspects of healing. And so we're not just looking at either one particular person or even one community. And so the need in that is that we need to be supple, hmm. which means being well-rooted, like if you think about a tree, right, that survives a hurricane or survives whatever, it's 
roots are really deep and wide and connected to the other trees around it. Mm -hmm. And yet at the top, it's able to move with whatever is happening around it. And if you lose a branch, you can still survive because your roots are deep. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people who came before us who know how to do that and have been doing that. Right, our elders have been doing that in so many ways, and it's time for us to remember again and to come back into that deep rootedness, but still being able to be supple. Um, and we can't do that if we don't heal from the things that have been hurting our grandparents, our great great grandparents that are now attached to us. We can't do that if something happens in this world that might happen in my own life or might happen in somebody else's life, but it breaks me. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong if something breaks us in the sense that there's nothing wrong with us. And we need to learn tools and skills mm-hmm. to just be able to move with those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a call for everybody to be healers right now, mm-hmm. to be healing ourselves so that we can heal the world. Mm-hmm. And that I think that was also something that we really heard on the podcast was that there's really small and easy ways that people can do it and that people are already doing it and that everybody mm-hmm. has the capacity to heal. And it's time. Hmm. Yeah, one thing, like thinking about the everyone can be a healer thing, that has been one of the running themes is like people saying, actually a lot of people saying I don't identify with that language or Mm -hmm. I'm not a healer for X, Y, and Z reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And folks we've invited to come on that like are doing incredible, profound, connected, when you talk about those deep roots of the tree, like are doing that work in their community. Um, who, there's like one layer, which is like, okay, well, what, you know, what language do you use? We can use whatever language we need to use. And there's another layer where like people haven't seen themselves in this way, who, who actually have been doing it for a really long time. Um, and that's been one of my favorite things, like, like particularly around when we talked to Candace and Miski from Minneapolis and they were talking about what they did to survive like during and after the fourth precinct occupation after Jamar Clark was killed. Um, like they, they didn't conceive of the work that they were doing at that time of like throwing Thanksgiving in the street. That was like all things that were brought like by and for black people in front of the police station that they were reclaiming. Like they weren't naming that as healing work in any way. And there's a lot of things they would change about how they did it because it was super hard. But like just watching folks like redigest their experiences and be like, oh shit, like we have been doing this actually to survive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I think there's a lot of ways that we all, well, there's ways in which we've been healing and there's also ways we've been coping and then ways we've been harming ourselves, right? And uh-huh. there's a, multiple other layers to it. So I think everybody can be a healer and the other thing that I think is also important is acknowledging where things come from, mm-hmm. right? Cultural appropriation is something that happens a lot mm-hmm. here. Um, and also the idea of um, there is a lineage of healing justice that is our people who've been doing the work for a long time. It's nothing new. Mm-hmm. And so having that, everybody can be a healer. Everybody is able to heal themselves. And we have to really, really do that work of understanding and knowing our own ancestors and understanding and knowing who our people are and where we came from mm. uh, in the way that we do healing work and also in the way in which we engage with with other people when and if we decide to do work with other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know if I would even, that word healer, I don't know that I feel like I have the, um, it feels like a big responsibility and it feels like something that I'm not even, you know, I'm not sure that I, I'm good enough to be that, right? Mm-hmm. So I also enter into that word and that idea with a lot of uh, stuff around it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we need to look at all those different pieces. Everyone can do it. And how do we also root and ground our work and what people have done before and be yes. careful of cultural appropriation? Yes. Yep. 
Um, in that sense, it makes me think a little bit about like, what is the, uh, accountability and conversation and dance of this project in the longer, the, the much bigger conversation about healing justice. Right. Um, and the importance of integrating feedback in the work that we do, Mm -hmm. um, listening to folks, um, and like really taking in, like when you talk about the suppleness, I can feel, I can feel that in my body around like, what are the roots required in order to really dance with like meeting people's needs Mm -hmm. and listening for that lineage piece and listening for and listening for where are the places that we need to take more risks, even though it's hard and they, there'll be criticism when you take risks, you know? Like, and who's missing and how do we do it? Because the other thing, too, I think is, like, as we're talking about suppleness, if our roots aren't deep or connected, then you you just break, actually. Mm-hmm. So you kind of need to do both. And I think that's why I think it's really great, you know, that you're taking some time off over this next period to really do that reflection, do that listening, and to ask people what it is that they really care about and what is it that they really need. Um, mm-hmm. Cause otherwise we just don't know. And so I think that it's really great that you're taking some time to really listen and reflect mm-hmm. as you move forward with where and how the podcast will be mm-hmm. in the next iteration. Yeah. Yeah, one of the um, values, which like we haven't, our website is like so out of date. It's out of date, like all the way to back before we launch, basically. Um, and we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that's not, that's not yet on the website, but that has been like, there's been some grounding values at the center of this project that are actually written out and explicit. And one of those values is add to the ecosystem, don't be an invasive species. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the ways that we can measure for things like that in our work is listening and also asking people to talk to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the ways that we're doing that right now over this break that we want to really, really invite people to participate in is, uh, I know it's like another Google form, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like it doesn't, there's ways that it doesn't feel real to be like, oh, we're doing a survey, fill out this Google form. And you're like, how many Google forms do I have to fill out in my Mm. life? Um, But the truth is that we really, really want to hear from people. And in order to be able to hear from a lot of people in a qualitative way, and also to be able to share that feedback where it's not just going to be me reading it, we're actually going to get together with a team and read through what people submit and share that as a team so that our collective discernment can actually be listening. Um, We just need a way to be able to aggregate folks' thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think like along the way, I've received a lot of feedback that's been really important and shaping for this project, but it's also not the best for my personal health or the health of the project for all of that to be filtered just through my lens. and so part of sort of doing this like end of season, uh, reflect back to us what you want this project to look like, um, what is really working for you about it that you want it to continue, what requests or input or feedback do you have about what you would hope would change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, and also like asking folks, how do you want to participate and shape it? Mm-hmm. Because everything that has happened in this project so far has been because somebody moved in and was like, I want to help shape this piece, right? It's a lot of work. Uh-huh. There's a lot of pieces a that lot need of shaping. Work, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so we want to invite folks. Uh, the link is in the show notes and also on our website at healingjustice.org to partake in this survey in this survey and to partake in it in a way of like a real feedback conversation that you know what you share is going to be um taken seriously and also received by a collective that is taking it seriously um so find that link and share your voice with us and help us make this whatever is the next thing it's going to be that's great who's gonna like if if people write stuff in is it going to be shared publicly or just shared within that team yeah so we have this also written at the top of the form now, thanks to your suggestion, because it's so important that folks know this, um, that within the team, like the team will read what you submit. That's the baseline. Um, beyond that, it will be confidential unless at the end you check a box that says that we can use some of your words. So 
Uh, if you're open to what you share being used, it could be really awesome for us to, like in a future episode, we want to report back on what we learned. And we'd love to be able to read out on the podcast or share in a report or on our website or something like, here's some things that people said. And so on the form, you can opt in to say, yes, you can quote me anonymously. Just say, somebody said this. Or yes, you can quote me and I would like to be attributed. Like you can actually quote me directly. Um, So that's an option there. But no matter what, like a small team of people will read what you wrote. Mm -hmm. That's great. Cool. Anything else you want to share with us, Marcia? I mean, I guess the thing that comes to mind is just um, having a, a deep desire for everybody, including myself, to really just to keep doing the work that we need to do for ourselves because our communities really need it and that if we can learn to be supple and to a lot of people are going to be breaking in this time that we're in and a lot of people already are breaking and so it's actually really essential that we do this work and um, encouraging everybody to do whatever whatever small tiny step we take every minute counts for what it counts for and that doesn't have to be a big thing Hmm. and that we all have the capacity to heal Hmm. thank you Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Big thanks to Marsha for being with us. And if you want to take part in that survey, you can go to tinyurl.com slash HJP survey, as in Healing Justice Podcast Survey. That is tinyurl.com slash HJP survey. You can also find the link in the show notes and you can find it in our Instagram profile at Healing Justice. A quick note about the show notes. I get a lot of messages where people say, you said resources were in the show notes and what are the show notes? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, So show notes show up differently depending on what platform you're listening. I mean, you might be listening to us right now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, um, I don't know where else, Overcast. There's so many places where you can listen to podcasts. So the one that I know and like the best, particularly for show notes, but actually overall for Uh, their user interface just feeling clear to me. It feels less confusing. I don't lose my episodes um, is Radio Public. So if you haven't tried that app before, I highly recommend it. Um, It is also the only podcast streaming platform that is uh, putting money back into the pockets of podcasters. So when I say money, what I mean is like over the past 10 months, Through this podcast, we've raised $40. So I'm not talking about like a lot of money. (laughs) But uh, as our listenership grows, that could change. And um, I think it's just really important that they have an ethic of, of being in more financial reciprocity with podcasters. But here's the point of what I was actually talking about is that the show notes are like all of the notes that go along with a given episode. Half the time, I still can't figure out how to pull those up in Apple Podcasts. Uh, Love all of you listening on Apple Podcasts. Please write us a review. It really, really helps uh, with our ratings and people being able to discover us. But um, the show notes, in my opinion, show up much more clearly on Radio Public. So that's a little hack, finding links in the show notes. Uh, And all of that is to get you to this link for the survey, which is tinyurl.com slash HJP survey. So our final conversation for this season is with Zach Meyer from The Coal Room. Many of you who listen often have that little phrase memorized because you hear it at the end of every episode. And Zach is our volunteer sound designer. He lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, and has done such quiet service for these past, actually this past year, since we started building this project. Um, And it feels really important that those who are behind the scenes also share their wisdom and their observations with us, because often the folks 
who are at the fringes of our movements, who are quietly serving the infrastructure that allows the work to continue, have incredible insights. Uh, one of my mentors, Yvette Morel, who's living in Tacoma, Washington, talks about the power of introverts and those who are observing constantly um, and the great wisdom that we miss out on when we don't pause and ask for input from those folks that have been witnesses uh, to the dynamics that some of the rest of us have been so busy talking and doing that we haven't had the chance to see. So here's our final conversation with Zach Meyer from The Coal Room. Hi, I'm Zach Meyer. Um, I have a studio that I call The Coal Room, and I have been producing and mixing this podcast since episode one. So I've heard everything, and even things that no one else has heard. I've, That's true. Because I've edited them. That's um, true. I'm super excited that you're talking with us, Zach, because this has been eight months of a real learning journey, and... Um, mm -hmm. It really could not have happened if you wouldn't have said yes, somehow mm -hmm. bizarrely to a call that I put on Facebook, mm -hmm. um, even though our, we're long-term friends, our families are long-term friends. Um, but uh, last fall, when I was thinking about starting the podcast, I put something on Facebook asking for some support because the beginning I had this naive idea that I was going to be able to edit everything myself, <laughs> even though I know zero things about that. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, <clears throat> it's fine. I'll just get uh, my partner Josiah to do it. And then Josiah started with the first audio that I had and was like, I know, <laughs> like, um, this is not okay. This is way too much work. Um, and so you answered the call and I was surprised that you did. You are mm. such a talented sound designer and I would have never thought that you would have been willing to volunteer much less in this consistent of a way. And mm. so I would love for folks to hear what motivated you to make that kind of offer and be a hundred percent reliable mm. over all of this time, all the hours you've put in, like what drew you to say yes to this project? Mm. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm married. I've been married for almost no, yes, almost 13 years. <laughs> and, um, something that was really important to my wife and I, when we met was, um, she kind of brought to our relationship, this heart for social justice and, just racial reconciliation. Mm -hmm. um, she was fresh off of um, a couple trips throughout her life, hanging out with John Perkins in the South. And she kind of made it clear to me, um, hey, if, you, if you're gonna be with me, this is gonna be part of our life together. I think, I don't know. It was the kind of thing where when you put that call out there, but, but it was a time when I had I'd worked really hard to kind of up my skills in the audio world. And I was like, wow, this is a skill that I've recently been developing. and especially hearing what the what the project what the podcast is kind of centered around like I'm a lover of story I think story is really important I think it's important to hear and honor each other's stories because um, it's just so humanizing it's easy to kind of paint a caricature of someone else and think they're different but then you hear their story and you see there's so much commonality that it's just hard to hard to hate hard to hold Mm -hmm. grudges and stereotypes and stuff. So um, I see that in my therapy work. I see that in my um, musical work. Story is what draws me into music and audio and stuff. So I was like, sweet, I get to help people tell their stories and feel more known and then also help other people listening kind of feel more known and feel not alone and mm -hmm. expand everybody's understanding of humanity. So it's just, I love it. Mm. I think it's great. Mm. Um, I remember too, at the beginning, I feel like in our first conversation, you said something about, I mean, on the one hand, having a more, I don't know if you'd use the word introverted, but having mm. like <clears throat> having a nature that is not necessarily resonant with confronting in the streets or right. being at the front of the march. And then also the considerations of your three babies, basically, right. like right. of just the logistics <clears throat> of being able to show up in some of those critical moments, just not always being mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember being just really moved by that of like, oh, this is a way mm -hmm. that you can participate in organizing work that's happening. Yeah. And like the beauty of that, that this is a way that you can come in, but also the incredible asset of that for me and this project and for our movements that 
there is someone who has been sitting and honing and fine-tuning audio skills mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and is willing to say, hey, I'll do mm-hmm. it. And we don't have to take organizers off of the front lines and be like, can you go in a room and learn audio now? Like, right, right. <laughs> that there really is a role for everybody. Yeah, I like the idea that like I get to use my skills to just kind of really support what's happening but like I'm totally invisible because it's not it's not my story that needs to be told like mm-hmm. I, I love that I can use these skills to just support other people to tell their stories because um, mm-hmm. I yeah I just I, I and I like that's the posture I have to this project I'm here to support it and learn and listen so yeah, yeah. um yeah. I think that's what you're remembering yeah mm-hmm. um it makes me think too, just about like, we've had several conversations. It's also been a huge conversation for me in holding this project around race and dynamics of privilege mm-hmm. and the way that particularly for me, my lens, as much as I've been really immersed in social justice work and organizing over the past 10 years, I come also from a very white suburb of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are really great reasons to question the power dynamics of mm-hmm. like, Essentially, the two people who touch the podcast every single week are you and I, um, holding these incredibly sacred stories Mm -hmm, of mostly mm -hmm. people of color. Um, And one of the ways that I feel like we have uh, tried to shepherd that responsibility is by actually really not editing people at like taking out, you know, loud noises or whatever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but not like censoring or modifying people in any way Mm -mm. which is part of why our our shit is really long (laughs) it's true um is that like we've actually been really deliberate not to not to change anything about what people say because something that might feel to you or i like oh this can go or whatever Mm -hmm. is might be really like particular to our the lens of our own identity yeah um And that another piece here is like one way that we've grown in the past few months, which I'm really grateful for your agitation that like it was too much for you to do all the content editing Mm. and the sound design every week. So we now have this incredible team of content editors. We have like 10 people Mm -hmm. who have touched uh, different episodes who are from all over the country and Canada, um, who are young folks, older folks, uh, people from different backgrounds, different racial identities, different gender identities that, uh, that have actually done like a first pass content Mm -hmm. edit of an episode. And then it goes to you for final mastering. So that's something that's really exciting to me is that that team is sort of growing and, and like gelling Hmm. in a way that, um, last, last week we were all in Detroit for allied media conference and like, um, I feel like that crew is starting to really take a stake in this project mm. in a way that makes me really excited about next season and the way that that kind of range of creative input and direction mm-hmm. on our on our growing volunteer production team will have input here as well and also mm. allow you to continue to shine in like adding music and fixing all of the problems like in whatever magical settings you have made sorcery. up to do that audio sorcery yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good point and i think you're right we both even before we talked about it had this idea that like we don't want to get in the way of what's being said mm-hmm. and i think i think i feel like my role is just to be a midwife like i kind of show up when i need to to kind of like tweak some stuff but then as long as like everything's fine i just get out of the way because mm-hmm. again like i said these aren't my stories like and i don't want to I, I think, so as a therapist, I'm aware enough that I bring a bias to everything. And so all day, I'm always kind of checking in with myself about like, how am I reacting to this? Is that about me? Um, so I really don't ever want to get in the way of what's being said. Because mm-hmm. it's not mine. Mm-hmm. And I am curious. So um, I really appreciate you mentioning your therapy background. Just to shout out, you and your wife, Alicia, are both incredible therapists. Thank you. Um, and for that reason, like it, particularly around certain episodes, you've gotten texts from me that are like, I'm really curious your thoughts on this because mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about mental health. We've talked a lot about healing. And these are things you also study and experience mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. in your work. Yeah. Um, and so on that note, I'm curious about reflecting back. It's so much at this point. It's like 33 episodes. But mm-hmm. um, reflecting back, are there any particular things that really stood out to you either as 
like truth that you really resonated with or things that surprise you or you feel like you learned? Like what are some of your personal takeaways from sitting with all of that listening? Hmm. <clears throat> well, so I think the first thing that comes to mind is as a, as a musician, that's like, an, you know, I'm a therapist by day and then by night I'm mm-hmm. a musician. Hearing all these episodes has expanded my view of how entering into this fight and this conversation can even look. Because mm-hmm. you had people who were primarily poets or musicians or, you know, pastors first or a therapist or, um, or, or nothing by training, but they had certain giftings or certain inclinations and they all found a way to contribute and bring something to the table. And I just thought that was cool. I mm. thought the, the, um, the creativity of, and the determination of people to just like do something about this with what they had was cool because it destroys the notion that like, well, I can't help because I don't Mm. fill in the blank or mm-hmm. whatever. So I just thought that was cool. But as a musician, those all the, the musical groups that were on were especially cool to me. Um, there was some powerful... Well, you know, there was, there was one episode that um, on the edit, we agreed to kind of put more music back in because mm-hmm. it was just like, it was just so good. It just needed more of that stuff yeah. that they did. So yeah. I remember if you're referring to Resistance Revival yeah. Chorus, like I remember... Um, you know, we pass things back and forth and I listen multiple Mm -hmm. times before the episode goes live. And like, uh, I was on, I was walking on a treadmill at the gym (laughs) and, uh, and making notes on my phone, doing the listen back to resistance revival course and like wondering whether a a gym employee was going to like stop me from doing that because it's like probably against the rules and really dangerous. Um, I was walking, not running, but, um, uh, I remember like as I was listening, my notes kept being like, let me hear more of the yeah, song. Yeah. Like, and particularly when uh, when the women were talking about singing Praying with Kesha on stage oh, at the gosh. Grammys yeah, yeah. and talking about like that expression of Me Too movement and Time's Up and how important that was. Like, I felt like I just wanted to hear that entire song. Mm. Like, the that's something that has struck me is like just kind of sitting with. Mm-hmm hearing the whole song, sitting with what's said, and then also hearing back from listeners that there are people who listen to episodes multiple times over Mm. and say like, okay, you know, when I was listening to Prentice, it wasn't until my third or fourth listen Mm. that it deeply started sinking in Mm. what Prentice was really saying. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that from you once in a while too, is like after a couple edit passes, it's like, oh, yeah. There's just so much here. Because, yeah, the, this is, these are not like casual conversations. These are people like, they take 40 minutes and they tell you like the most important things they can say. And it's pretty thick sometimes. You got to really yeah. kind of sit with it and listen over. And yeah, that's happened a couple times where by the time I finally am kind of picking up what they're putting down, it's pretty powerful. I don't know. There's like there's such resilience in people, and I think we all need to to kind of be able to see the meaning in our lives. I love just having my preconceived notions knocked down mm-hmm. on a pretty regular basis mm-hmm. by these conversations. It reminds me of a way that um, Cedar and Lucienne, who were very recently on the podcast mm-hmm. in episode 32, uh, talk about uh, inclusion. Mm-hmm. What does it take for us to include something that is not familiar to us mm-hmm. or that seems really unrelatable? Mm-hmm. Um, and include doesn't mean endorse. It right. doesn't mean conform to. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. that's something that I really love about the podcast format is that the stakes that we're actually asking is that if if you would like to, listen. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Right. Like. And by listening, you could end up deciding, wow, something I really learned from this conversation is that I really located myself actually not relating to that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or not agreeing with that or even having an opinion that a piece of that is harmful. Like, mm-hmm. that is also a learning. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's something I love about, I mean, there's so many more episodes that, like, I'm so hungry and ready to do. And mm-hmm. all, in many ways, that's, like, such a great reason that I have resisted going on a break and that our first season is, like, unmanageably long (laughs) um but it's time to pause um but i i love the idea that like we can listen to each other and include include each other include different perspectives without 
without it having to mean like, oh, like we're putting out a finalized, you know, manifesto right. of what is and isn't, you know, our opinion. Right. And so yeah. I, I hope that people who listen also have that experience of being welcomed to listen mm-hmm. and that there's not an implicit, like you're supposed to agree with this or this is supposed to be relatable. Right. Um, well, I do want to ask you just as we close, mm-hmm. um, if there's any final words that you want to share with folks, I mean, you have done such incredible, reliable, detail-oriented, in some ways thankless, volunteer labor over a year. When you're sick, when your kids are sick, when you're moving out of your house, when you're overworked, like mm-hmm. at all of these moments, <clears throat> over holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that work, these stories have been able to be shared. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're so glad that you're included in that way. And also your, your voice hasn't been included. Your thoughts haven't been included, right? Mm. So if, if there's anything that you want to like sort of add as a, as a final blessing or <laughs> something to share with the audience, what would you say? Hmm. Okay. I think I would say um, that basically all growth happens outside your comfort zone. And so um, if you, you know, are stirred by something you listen to or moved or you're, you're kind of riled up by it, um, sometimes unfamiliar isn't bad. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes that means it's actually pulling you to expand your knowledge to help you see something new. Um, and like you just said, like you might be pulled in a direction and you decide you um, disagree with it. But hey, at least now you're kind of, your awareness has been expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, bigger than it was before. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, too, to hear who you talk to in season two. And um, I look forward to the challenge. Well, thank you, Zach. We so appreciate your labor. And I hope that you can feel all the virtual love from the folks who are listening who have been really grateful for this resource. Thanks. It's been, it's been my honor. Okay, dear friends, this is the part where we talk about what's next. So we really are taking a deep break for evaluation, for restructuring, for integrating your feedback, for continuing to build out our team in deeper and wider and more formal and public ways. Um, so part of that process happening in, in truth is that I can't overpromise anything. Um, here's my best guess as to what's happening next. We're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to settle in and listen deeply to your feedback. We are going to be making a fundraising plan and really seriously looking at how does this work need to grow? How can we live into our mission to be uh, a force for culture shift, to bring healing into our movements, to uplift the incredible work that is already happening at this intersection and listen and celebrate the people who have been doing this work for a long time. How can we uh, build out the infrastructure that we need to support people to integrate this work um, through the podcast, but also through other means. And so those are the things we'll be working on um, and really figuring out kind of the operational and fundraising strategy that's necessary to support that work and make it sustainable. Because if we can't embody a commitment to sustainability in the work, then how are we going to try to tell other people that they're supposed to be doing that? Um, I am currently working on a political campaign here in New York, and so I'm out in the field, I'm in the lab of experimentation of what can healing and rootedness look like as I engage in uh, the brokenness of our system of governance in this country um, and also try to work within it to bring good. Um, And also, in relation to that, we may have a mini-series coming back in early fall to talk about all things healing and elections. Um, That might sound like oil and water to you. It feels a little bit like oil and water to me. Uh, But they're both things that impact us. And so we 
maybe talking with some folks from uh, multiple different locations in relation to electoral politics about how to do that work with integrity, if that is possible, um, and what workers' rights look like in one of the sectors of organizing that is most notorious for uh, a lack of self and community care. Uh, you'll also hear at some point we'll be bringing you our resilience episode that we recorded at Allied Media Conference with so many voices from all over the country and beyond. So excited to share that with you. The team is working on it right now. Um, and we'll be back with a season two of some kind when it's the right time. So stick with us. Don't lose touch. Uh, we're, we have an email list where you can... Uh, remain part of the community and hear about it when these new things happen. You can find that at healingjustice.org. Um, you can find us on social media, particularly our Instagram at Healing Justice and Healing Justice Podcast on Facebook. So many incredible guests and volunteers have made this season possible. And one of the ways that you can show your gratitude is by joining us on Patreon and joining at the $8 level. That level allows us to pay for sending a gift to one of the people who have given of themselves this season to bring you this podcast. And it feels very important to us to embody a very thoughtful and intentional gratitude in this project. That is something that so often in our movements, we feel like we don't have the time or the resources to do well. And so we really want to do that well. Will you partner with us to do that? Patreon.com slash healing justice and joining at the gratitude gift level. Now, y'all, we all have the treat of hearing a few names of some of the people that have touched this work over the past eight months. And first, want to thank the support folks, the folks who have accompanied us in everything from holding big questions about how to be in accountable relationship to the lineage of healing justice, all the way to figuring out how we use a new transcription software and figure out how to get a volunteer team transcribing all of the episodes so we can post them over the next couple of months in written form for folks. So thank you so much to that support team, ranging far and wide, starting with Miss Kara Page, Kareen Luck, Susan Rappel, Nora Rassman, Sumitra Rajkumar, Teresa P. Mateus, Mackie Alston, Greg Osofsky, J.D. Davids, Shalini Somiaji, Alana Lerman. And thank you to our incredible content editors that have worked with the audio of this season. Mira Al-Rahim. Rachel Ishikawa. Yoshi Fields. Katie McCutcheon. Jacob White. Sonia Hansen. Abigail Barriola. Park Ballantyne. And Natalia Thompson. And finally, thank you to those who have helped build the container that has made this process possible every single week. This season was mixed and produced by me, Zach Meyer, at The Coal Room. Design and graphics were made by Josiah Warning. Intro and closing music gifted by Danny O'Brien. Fiscal sponsorship by The Watershed Center. Thank you to the institutions that have taken actions big and small to support us, including Lush Cosmetics, the Resist Foundation, the Angel Foundation, and St. Joan of Arc Church. Thank you so much to all of our individual donors, whether you've given a one-time donation via the link on our website at healingjustice.org, or have joined us on Patreon as a monthly supporter at patreon.com slash healingjustice. Your support is on its way to making this project sustainable. And a huge goal that we have before we can come back from season two is to have a more solid plan about how we can resource this project to support the folks who give so much of their time every single week. And also just pay for the stuff that we have to pay for to host it and bring it to you. So thank you so much for being part of that. We know it's no small thing in all of the incredibly important places that our resources are needed right now, that as you're experiencing the benefit of this podcast for free, that you would choose to give in reciprocity to help the project continue. Thank you.
This has been season one, the most mega, the most epic, the longest podcast season with the most extra content of all time. Season one of Healing Justice Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for your commitment to building movements that heal and transform and root down deep to source the vision of what we deserve for our planet, for our world, for ourselves, and for one another. Thank you for working toward that vision and including yourself in that vision right now. And we'll hear you when we hear you. We are in community together. Let's keep building. subjected many people to my joke about the two muffins that are in the oven. Look it up. Um, Look it up. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'll tell you this joke. Okay, what is it? It's not. Uh, two muffins are sitting in the oven. One muffin turns to the other muffin and he says, oh my gosh, it is so hot in here. And the other muffin says, ah, it's a talking muffin. <laughs> That was partially a genuine <laughs> laugh and partially forced. <laughs> right, that's why. I told you that's the only joke I've got. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>